1: By weakening, by, by joining the Americans, they were weakening their position, the, the British position in the world, and particularly the New World. So this was, a, this was really a good thing for um, the Spanish to side with the Americans. That's George Kotlick. He
0: has a new article on the Floridas and their role in the American Revolution, and the Empire of Spain's way of helping the American cause. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is brought to you by Henry Holt and Company, publishers of the new book, The British Are Coming, The War for America, Lexington to Princeton, by Rick Atkinson, available now. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. On today's episode, we're talking about a really fascinating topic, one that I've worked on quite a bit, quite frankly, and really a conundrum that stays with you when you study Not only the history of the American Revolutionary Era, but more importantly, the memory of the American Revolutionary Era. I'm talking about the colonies of East and West Florida. If you think about grade school children, and you ask them about the colonial period, inevitably, you will come to a discussion about the, quote, 13 original colonies, and that's one of the first sort of sacred calves we have to uh, butcher to really talk about the subject of East and West Florida. Because when we talk about the 13 original colonies, that gives the impression, and it's a false impression, that there were only 13 British colonies in 1776. Of course, we know if you look at a basic map of North America in 1776, that wasn't the case at all. There were actually 16 North American colonies. The 13 we all, of course, know, but included in that 13 uh, were all of Canada, at the time known as Quebec, as well as East and West Florida. None of those three colonies sent delegates or representatives to the Continental Congress uh, at any point during the war. And for that reason, we conveniently tend to leave them out of the story uh, not because we don't know that they refused, but because it complicated the narrative. You know, the American Revolution is much more digestible when it's us versus them, and right versus wrong, and good versus evil, and we know, of course, uh, history is never black and white. It's always gray. And as historians, we have to live in that gray area. So I began lecturing on the topic of the American Revolution in the Floridas, um, shortly after the release of my 2015 book, Hessians. Uh, and a significant part of that book takes place in the Floridas. And it was a topic I was really looking forward to writing about simply because there's been so little work on it and it really gave me the opportunity to, to break a lot of new ground. So as we work through that, my research and my writing... I really found it to be a place that kind of gripped me because it did something that, as historians, we don't really see enough of, especially when you uh, sort of ingrain yourself so much in the material you achieve, you know, in somebody's mind, expert status. I mean, no historian would call themselves a real expert because there's always something more to learn. But I really, I really found myself challenged at that point. Um, There's a lot I didn't know. Not just about the Floridas, but about the inner workings of British North America in the 18th century. So, uh, I've been presenting this, this paper at a few different places. Uh, the Seminar on the American Revolution at Ticonderoga, most recently. And it's always been well received. Uh, and I've recently had the chance to travel to Florida uh, and continue the research there. The historian we're talking to today, George Cotlick, is a Floridian. And he can talk about this with much more uh, prestige than than yours truly. Uh, But I love the approach to Florida. Like literally the physical travel approach to Florida. Because as you fly into it, you're so far off the ground at 35,000 feet uh, that you don't see a lot of the homes and condominiums uh, and highways and things like that. Uh, What you really see is Florida... In its 18th century glory, it's large, it's flat, uh, it's dotted and speckled with small ponds and swamps. It's brutally hot in some places. Uh, it's a very unforgiving place. You have the ocean and the Gulf on either side of you, but when you're in the middle of the uh, of the state, you know that's nowhere to be seen. So you're looking for waterways. I guess what I'm saying is you're looking for places to survive. And one of the things that our guests will talk about today is really just what it was like to live in Florida in the 18th century. I mean, it was not the paradise that we view it as today. Uh, Now, of course, as your plane descends a little further, you you see all the accoutrement of the modern world. But you don't really have that um, uh, from very high up, from the ultimate sort of airplane or bird's eye. And that's what I really like about it. Florida is a rough place even today uh when you when you walk around no matter really where you are um you know you can see how you're one broken air conditioning unit away from serious trouble the heat can be oppressive uh the the wildlife can be frightening uh all sorts of you know dinosaur-like creatures living in florida and that's just in the swamps uh never mind off the coasts um The weather is unpredictable. Access to clean water is never guaranteed when you compare it to maybe some other 18th century colonies. It's just a really uh, deeply historical place, and it's one that's not often considered, especially not for the American Revolutionary era. So I love this topic. I think it's a very interesting and fascinating topic. Uh, Florida has a huge number of Spanish speakers, uh, eventually, I think there will probably be more Spanish speakers than English speakers, and some people have a real issue with that, you know, which is your prerogative, I suppose, but understand that it was a Spanish colony for much longer than it was um, an american state uh so i mean the the historical origins of Europeans in the New world are Spanish ones. There's just a lot of great things in Florida, so you know if you go there, of course do the touristy things, but stop in a local museum because almost all of them have some sort of connection to the revolutionary period in the 18th century, which I think is is so fascinating. So I want you to think about this sort of problem. Imagine you're a British settler, uh, a colonist straight from England, moving to uh, what was formerly Spanish Florida in 1763 and 1764. Spain joined the Seven Years' War on the side of the French Uh, late into the game, just really in time to lose. And as the French surrender, the Spanish will too, and they'll give up Florida to the British. The British will carve it into two different colonies, uh, East Florida, which is really the Florida that we sort of understand it as today, and West Florida, uh, which is really uh, the entire Gulf Coast uh, of Florida, today's Mississippi, and Alabama. Uh, And then they'll try and convince people to move there. Uh, so they take Britons from England who are uh, poor and destitute and mostly homeless in London, and they drop them into this you know swampy mess of a place. and they say, you know, spread the British way of life, and you're there for about ten years. Uh, you're trying to farm with very little success. Uh, you're trying to settle and expand, uh, all the while dealing with hostile Indian nations who do not want you there. Uh, and you're really only saving grace is a ship from England that will come maybe once every month or two months to bring you supplies. You are totally dependent on the crown. And here you are totally dependent on the crown for your very livelihood. And, and here come messengers from Philadelphia, from some of your colonies to the north, far older than you, quite frankly, a century older than Florida at this point, uh, asking for uh, participation in a potential rebellion against England. Like, England is all you have. Are you going to participate? No way. So you have to understand where Floridians were that was British Floridians in the, in the 18th century. Uh, and our guest today, George Kotlick, gets into that. Uh, but all of this sort of plays into the, the, the enigma that is Florida's role in American history. Because in some ways, it's the most American place. And in other ways, it's... Really, a whole other country. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with George Kotlick. George Kotlick, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Tell us about your background.
1: Uh, currently, um, I am a high school English teacher. Um, I studied political science and history at Cuka College in Upstate New York. Um, I am an avid reader and writer of all things history, particularly on the American Revolution.
0: What first drew your interest into this topic?
1: I remember when I was in middle school, I watched the movie The Patriot by Mel Gibson. Um, or well, he starred an active role in that movie. And I was just captivated by the time period, by the story. And uh, I knew that there was more... I, well, I couldn't tell in the moment, but I knew that there was more to the story than what the movie led on. So um, as the years went on, I started to explore the topic more and more. And I eventually just got enamored with it and then followed it uh, up until um, when I went to college. I had a professor, I had a couple professors who really um, encouraged my study of history um, especially with primary documents, Um, and that really um, is where my passion really started to take off um, professionally.
0: Could you tell us a little bit of the history of the Floridas leading up to the American Revolution?
1: Yeah, so Florida, at least under British control, um, started around uh, 1763 and 64. That was when it really took off. Prior to that, um, the Spanish, uh, held dominion over the region, um, for a hundred, 200 years even, um, before that, but no real attention was paid to the Floridas by any major European power at the time. Uh, most of the resources were diverted to other areas of empire. So Florida was a much neglected province, um, until the british took it over in the 1760s that was when florida started to gain a little more attention um when um great britain had acquired these new territories um they split florida into two provinces west florida and east florida um british west florida um was developed a little more than east florida um but it was they were still i mean these were frontier colonies there there was meaning there was really nothing there that even resembled anything close to modern civilization uh, it was it was these were just huts in the middle of the woods um and britain had the challenge of tackling um this uh well this venture they had to start from the ground up in terms of government governance governing uh, governorship uh, the governing of the colony they really had to start from the ground up so um britain had the um the challenge then of tackling this this frontier this untamed wilderness um they I remember they had a lot of trouble dealing with the Native Americans. Um, a lot of them in West Florida were uh, very um, partial towards the British. Um, and in East Florida, too. But um, I remember some of the governors, I remember reading about, uh, and, and this came up frequently in my readings, um, a lot of the uh, administrators of these colonies were, um, they didn't take too kindly to the Indians and, and all the gifts that they had to impart on them. And and that was a real strain on the resources um that they had at their disposal um a lot of these colonies at the time were reliant entirely upon um british goods to to really survive in the wilderness um uh, like i said before uh when i say that there, these settlements that, that there was really nothing there i mean there wasn't anything there and, and so a heavy reliance on british ships for supplies and trade with the colonies to the north um that was really something that was a predominant factor in the colonies and and furthermore i mean what we see from these administrators is they're really starting from the ground up with this colony uh, encouraging settlers to trade incur uh encouraging uh farmers to come and, and farm i mean th- th- this was th- the colony uh before the british there was really nothing there
0: do we know what life was like in the east west florida region uh, for average British citizens during the Seven Years' War?
1: Yeah, um, daily life uh, for the people in the colony would be much similar to the people in other colonies. Um, it, it differed in the sense... i I'd say similar in the, in the sense that uh, their daily tasks were much similar. Farmers would farm, uh, merchants would, uh, you know, trade their goods. Um, but in terms of... In terms... The Floridas were much reminiscent of an older time when colonies were developing in the north. Um, they they shared similar problems as early colonies did, um, like in Massachusetts. Um, and, and, and some of these older colonies that have been established for a long time, uh, they shared many problems, um, that those colonies had in terms of, uh, negotiating with the Indians, trying to, to be amicable towards them and, and, make sure that they don't, um, get angry. I know that was, um, something that James Grant, when he arrived, um, at the colony and he took up his governorship, he remarked, uh, that he really had to make sure that the natives were happy and that everything was okay because they did not have the troops, to really defend against a major native attack. So what we can see then is a real, um, uh, 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 the the colonies, the early colonies were very much like, they they were reminiscent of colonies from um, the 1600s when they were in their early stages of infancy.
0: How does Spain assist the patriots during the revolution?
1: Um, so Spain didn't come into the war until uh, later on uh, certainly they 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 at the onset of the war they weren't um they weren't really present in the conflicts but um Spain entered the war um by they provided uh, supplies to the Americans um but they also um did it in large part to get back at Britain. Uh, Britain at the time was a major um, powerhouse and by weakening by, by joining the Americans, they were weakening their position the the British position in the world and particularly the new world so this was a this was really a good thing for um, the Spanish to side with the Americans
0: after all of their help, what did the Spanish get in exchange for their aid?
1: Um, after the war, they ended up um, annexing um, the Floridas to um, their empire to their new world empire. Um, they ended up um they ended up with that, but that would also cause conflict with um the Americans to the north over um territorial disputes um later on.
0: What happens to Britons who have made a home in Florida after the war?
1: Um, that's a good question. um, so for those um loyalists and Britons who were left in the Floridas um, after the Revolutionary War. Um, Some of them uh, were given the option of um, being incorporated into um, Spanish society. Um, They had the option of becoming Spaniards under the Catholic king. Um, And many others who did not decide to join with them, were. they also had the option of, as one um, individual, as James Bruce put it, um they would be abandoned they would just be left alone in the wilderness they they would be sent out um and to fend for themselves really they were, the the loyalists in the floridas after spanish rule for those who did not accept spanish rule faced a very difficult situation
0: your article talks about a man named James Bruce can you tell us about him
1: yeah um little is known about James Bruce uh he's one of those figures in history that uh, disappears, is lost. Um, James Bruce was, um, there's only one real article that was done about James Bruce. Uh, he was um, a military man in the Seven Years' War. He fought for Britain. Um, he was present at the uh, siege of Louisbourg. Um, at the end of the war, he accepted a position in Uh, west florida's government as a customs collector and i mean this for him at the time i mean this was a very good deal uh considering the limited social mobility that existed in british society at the time i mean this was he had found himself he had struck gold by going to florida um in the years that he spent in florida he became a very prominent man in society he had accepted a position in the Assembly of West Florida. Um, He had, what we find with James Bruce is over time, we find a man who started out with nothing to being somebody who had prominence within the colony.
0: Bruce writes a lot about his experiences. The article, I think, is very well done. You are very selective in your use of quotes. Uh, What does he have to say? What stands out to you?
1: James Bruce um was impartial towards the Spanish he did not like the Spanish and i mean this could be understood uh because him uh being a briton and and their uh them being adversaries the british and the spanish uh in the revolutionary war James was um he uh, was, I'm, I'm practically laughing when I say this, but he uh, was, he found himself happy that a lot of the Native Americans were very hostile towards the Spanish upon their takeover. Uh, he mentions in his letter that um, the Spanish couldn't leave the forts uh, without the protection of an armed escort to gather wood for their fires, he, he says. And, um, the Spanish, uh, once they had taken, um, West Florida, uh, they did end up having some troubles with the native Americans, but, uh, on the whole, it it really did go, uh, business as usual. How
0: does Bruce's story end?
1: James Bruce would end up going back to England to um, apply for back pay and uh, compensations as a loyalist due to his losses from the war. Um, He doesn't end up getting his back pay. Uh, Well, we don't know, but I'm, I'm going to. It's it's safe to assume that he doesn't. Um, because he definitely doesn't receive any loyalist uh, compensation for his losses. And his losses are very extensive in West Florida. I mean, this is a man who had thousands of acres that he had acquired over the years um, in West Florida. Um, so he ends up not getting any compensation and fail- fades. he fades into history after that.
0: Whenever we think of the uh, American Revolution, we always think about you know the thirteen original colonies we love to use that phrase, uh, and we never really include Florida as part of that narrative. so why do you think that is as someone who lives in Florida, and what do you think the legacy of Florida should be for the revolutionary period?
1: Florida, I think that we should remember Florida as a larger player in the revolutionary history than what people give it credit to um I mean, when looking at the proclamation line of 1763, a lot of colonists were upset that um, Britain was hindering their advancement when, in actuality, Britain had sought to divert settlers to expand uh, the Floridas and expand their population. And if you look at modern scholarship, most attention is being paid to um, key revolutionary war figures. John Adams, John Hancock, Thomas Jefferson, and not enough attention is being placed to lesser known areas like the Floridas who played critical roles in the war. Uh, They were loyalist uh, safe havens. Um, In terms of the legacy, I I do believe that in Florida, at least in this immediate region, uh, a lot of people um, know that history, but in the broader context, uh, if you go up to Massachusetts, um, a lot of people aren't going to know much about this history. So I think in terms of the legacy uh, regionally, it is um, people are aware of it. But um, in terms of the broader scholarship, I think that um, most people should pay more attention to this because it, it is a vital piece of American history.
0: George Kotlick. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.